welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast, where we discuss the business of cybersecurity. Here are your co-hosts and cybersecurity experts, Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, and Randy Bryan. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian, here with Randy and Andre for another episode where we help educate you what the hell's going on out there in the world of cybersecurity and IT. And we have an interesting show for you today, and we're going to talk, uh, I think the title of the show is basically Unraveling the Price and Quality Conundrum in IT Services. And the reason we picked this topic, guys, is because we get a lot of questions from a lot of different people, not only in our podcast, but just in our business in general about, you know, why your company is different or why your company charges so much or, you know, and it's really hard for buyers of IT services and products to discern what's the difference between this company over here and that company over here, because to them, it all sounds very similar. So our goal in this show today is to kind of bring some questions to the, the experts on this show and then help you understand why, what the differences are and maybe make you a little bit smarter, especially you business owners out there that have to buy IT services, make you a little bit smarter. But even if you don't, even if you're an employee in a company, maybe you'll recognize some of the things we talk about with your current IT, whether it be your internal people that are part of your staff or you might have a company that your company works with as well. Um, you might see some of these things throughout your day as you interact with, with IT, and we're going to share that all with you today. Before we get into that, remember, we don't bore you with ads. We don't uh, annoy you with uh, unnecessary stuff on the show. We get right to the goods, and we talk about it for 40 minutes or more. And in return for that, we ask that you help us out on social media by just giving this a, a, thum, a thumbs up, a like, a share, a comment, all those things help those algorithms that those platforms run on to help other people see this content uh, in their feed. So any little thing you can do to help us helps us continue to do this show. So, all right, guys, that's the name of the game. Anything you guys want to add to the intro before we dive into our questions? No, we're good, man. Right. I guess we're. Do we stop saying Happy New Year now? <laughs> we're halfway through the month. We're almost done 2024. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, let's get into it. First question that we have What are managed service providers? And we can interchange MSP, managed service providers, IT companies, cybersecurity companies. Um, what are managed service providers and how do they differ in the IT landscape? So that's that's number one, right? I think we're all comfortable moving forward with the fact that we've all at least built our businesses as an MSP. You know, I think the three of us are, are moving in some different directions when it comes to that pure MSP, um, you know, company. But um, at the end of the day, most companies, when they're going to go look for or, or outsource their IT, they're going to look for what's known as an MSP. So 
maybe we can just help the audience understand if because a, a lot of people watching this don't <laughs> know what the term MSP is. So let's just start there. Um, what are managed service providers and how do they differ, uh, I guess, when it comes to IT? You know, first thing that comes to mind is like, what's the difference between that and like maybe some people are used to an internal IT department, right? So like I've kind of already hinted and alluded to an MSP is a third-party service provider. So in my mind, what a managed service provider does is they provide IT services to companies um, and IT services can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different companies. Um, but what I will say is that there's a lot of companies out there that were that are MSPs today that were not MSPs 10 years ago. They were some other form of IT. A lot of document companies or copier companies have kind of morphed into MSPs. Um, phone companies, I've seen telecom companies that have morphed into MSPs. Um, and I don't know if that matters to you or not, but there's MSPs who have been in, in who've been a pure MSP for over 20 years. Um, and just market conditions have forced these other businesses to kind of move into the MSP space um, because their business was quite frankly dying off. Um, copiers are not as prevalent as they were. Um, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 30 years ago in their heyday. Same thing with phones. Um, there's so many different ways people can communicate now using Zoom and Teams that we've seen phones go by the wayside. So those are my thoughts um, on MSPs and kind of the differences and what people should be aware of when we're using that term. What are your thoughts? Yeah, let's also talk what what is not an MSP. An MSP is not someone that you just call when you need them, or just have a you know printer issue and you just need someone just to like you know get it set up or something like that. This is some this is a company, and and I would look at it as your partner. I wouldn't even call it as a vendor, but this is someone that's going to understand your business, know it from the inside out, know and have conversations with you when it comes to what type of technology you're using where you're going in the next five years in your business and they're going to be helping you every step of the way. Right. And typically the MSP, the draw for companies to become an MSP is monthly revenue. And the, the win-win situation could potentially be that a client has a set fee every single month without a lot of ups and downs in the bill. We talked uh, in the green room a little bit. I know we'll hit on this a little later. I won't, I won't go into it much, but about a very large MSP that has a very, very low price. They go in selling on that, but then they hit you with a bunch of other stuff behind the scenes. Um, then that, that comes out on your bill and you pay it a ton more. And so I would say that's one of the biggest differences in a quote unquote MSP. And what I see all the time are, are like when we're, we're, we're proposing to a potential new customer, they're bringing out these other prices that are, you know, $30 a seat, 60 a seat, 150 a seat. They're all over the map first off. And then they all claim to offer everything. Um, and it is just crazy. So I, I'm kind of off into the weeds now. Um, but we gave a bid at a 
a really large, uh, no, it wasn't large, but it was a relatively large nonprofit. I guess as far as nonprofits go, it was huge. But anyway, um, what they came back to us after we met with them was everything that we had proposed. They hadn't even heard of all that. And so then they're now they're looking for it because they weren't getting it anywhere else. I'm basically going to uh, stop here. You guys are laughing at me on the way out into the weeds. I'm just waiting for you just to do the whole show with this one question. That's oh, dude, I could. I'm going now. So Well, since you, since you kind of uh, cracked the egg on the pricing uh, thing, I'm just going to move into our next question. Um, now, if anybody has any questions about you know, in their brain right now about what a managed service provider is and we didn't address it, drop it in the comments. We'll, we'll go back to it. Um, but since you brought up pricing, Randy, um, one of the questions we have is why do MSP pricing structures vary so widely? And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but since it's our next question in the queue, why don't you dive a little deeper into specifically the pricing structures and what you see out there? Right. It's it's all about what what can get slipped under the radar that you'll sign off on. And everybody's busy and people don't write like reading the fine print. And so if they can put something over here, something over there and kind of just get it where it all slips under the radar. I think I personally think that's why it varies so widely. There's probably some other reasons, um, but it varies so varies widely based on should vary based on what's delivered and then the labor that comes with it. And often in conversations with potential clients, they'll say, well, you're so much more than this next bid. And I'll say, look, our tools alone are what their bid is. So one, if they're offering that low of a price, we know they're cutting tools and they're not offering them. And then two, if they're offering that low price, they're never going to have the labor to devote to managing those tools because they have the price so low. And I think that's one. I think the other one, the other one is a lot of MSPs don't really know what other MSPs charge and they're comfortable with charging a certain price, even though, you know, they probably should be charging more for what they're doing. That's my two thought, two thoughts. Right. I want to, just expand on kind of what you're saying there because you do make some good points and going back to what you said last right there with MSPs just not knowing like what they should be charging in the marketplace. Well, we know this from the mastermind group we're all in together, right? That we see this all the time. And that's a big thing that I think the market needs to be fully aware of is that like <clears throat> a, as Andre pointed out when he asked us to kind of do a show like this, that this is a very unregulated industry. Nobody regulates us or tells us what we did need to do, what certifications we need to have in place, what we need to be charging for services. People typically start MSPs because they're an IT person and they work somewhere and they think that they can do it better because they watch their employer charge these amounts and they go and they do some math in their head incorrectly and decide that they can do it cheaper and, and make more money for themselves. And then they go out there and they end up doing this and creating themselves a job 
because they never make enough money to have a real business that grows and thrives. And we see this all the time. And what I'm saying is, is that most MSP owners out there are not naturally gifted business people. So unless they're getting an education somewhere about how to run their business properly, how to structure their prices properly, more than likely they just pull the number out of thin air and started charging that number and they're able to pay their bills with it and get by every month. But at the end of the day, they're not a real strong company and they're not really going to grow. So if you've been working with an IT guy or an IT company that hasn't grown very much since, and you've been working with them for a while, that's probably the case with the company or the person that you're working with um, is that they just aren't charging enough. And it's a, it's a, it's a rare breed when I find a engineering type mind who can then go get the education and then go figure the business side of it out and do it successfully. Quite frankly, a lot of the um, MSPs that I know that are very successful, the owner, the CEO was never the strongest technical person in the company. Um, they were very either sales driven, sales focused or they just knew they weren't that good at tech. And once they got to hire employees, they hired a tech that was better than them so they could focus on sales and marketing. And that's just kind of the, the lay of the land when it comes to this stuff. So Andre, I'm gonna to toss it to you. What are your thoughts on, on this? And if I could sum it all up, it's that because we're not regulated and because nobody's watching and because clients um, you know, something's working. If their network is working, they, they, there's no email compromise, there's nothing going on, it, we can easily cut corners. We can easily decide that, you know what, we're not going to monitor, we're not going to audit. You know, as long as the client comes in, do, does all control delete, puts in their PIN number, everything works. Hey, if you decided not to put a tool or two on, on the system or put the right firewall and skip out on some stuff, you know, how many times have we been to, to locations where, uh, or new prospects, and we see that they have, you know, uh, the ISP as the as the router firewall, and they just have like a basic antivirus or Windows Defender. And then, then when you propose what they should have, the, the next thing the client always says is, well, it's always been working. Why do I need this now? So, um, and that's the unfortunate part about our industry. Um, unless it's some type of, of, of industry that's regulated in the sense of like financial services or something like that. But otherwise, um, a, a, a typical small business owner, especially if it's never happened to them, some type of compromise or incident, then for them, for all they know is it's they're fine. I mean, I'll tell you, I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, the biggest thing that I find that most MSPs don't do, which is insane to me. Um, because I, I think most companies today hire an outside company. And I think one of the, one of the things that they're going to expect to have done is that company is taking care of their backups. Like, I think that's the number one thing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of businesses, like if I'm going to do this and I'm going to hire you, you're going to make sure that we have backups because they know that that's the thing that's going to save their bacon through any kind of an event that they face, right? <clears throat> and then you 
learned that most MSPs, and I'm going to say a majority of the MSPs in the United States do not have good enough processes and their business isn't good enough to where they're testing your backups on a regular basis. And I'm not going to get into what proper testing of backups is on this show, but at the end of the day, this is the biggest thing that we see most MSPs failing to do for their clients is a, a, a good enough testing program to where they could survive a catastrophic event in their business and, and, and be resilient, which is, should be the goal of every business out there today that uses technology. So, all right, let's move on. Next one. Andre, you got this one. All right. What are high-end, low-end MSPs. What are some, I mean, I don't know how to, this is a weird question to me, but the typical services offered by low-end versus high-end MSPs. We know, before we get into this, I want to kind of mention, I wanted to say this when Randy talked, but just like other businesses out there that, if you know what the term loss leader is, right? There's companies out there that will sell products at a loss to get people in the door. It's essentially a marketing cost to them. Um, that's what a loss leader is. This is very popular in retail. Um, and there's companies that use that strategy and use it very effectively, um, especially around like Black Friday and stuff like that. But you have a company like Apple, which Apple will never do that because they decided that their profits are more important than any gimmick or whatever. So, you know, Apple has, will never do something like a loss leader to get people to start using their products. Um, and that's a decision that businesses need to make. And I know that there are MSPs out there that use that flat monthly fee as a loss leader. Like they know that they are going to lose money on that flat monthly fee because they know two things. They know that you're not smart enough to understand what you're buying. And they know that they're going to make up the money on the back end. So as long as they can get the foot in the door, they're usually the only people who have a seat at the table when decisions are being made to spend more money on IT down the road. And that's the strategy behind a company that charges a very low upfront price in order to work with them. So I just wanted to add that because I wanted to say it when Randy talked and I think it'll play into what you're about to say right here. So, well, actually I'll, I'll put that one of our, you know, quote unquote competitors here in the South Florida market, they're a huge uh, access control and camera um, vendor dealer company. So they do that same thing. They got a, they have about 20 or, or so techs that, you know, go all around fixing cameras and things like that. But then what they did is hire this one guy who does IT. And then, you know, there's a saying in, in our world that says, he who controls the network controls the customer. So then what they then decided to do is say, well, we have our IT division. But for them, their profits on hardware when they're selling a camera and things like that is huge. Their margins are great. So now, same thing back to what you're saying, Brian, the, the lost leader. So they're coming in and, and just like destroying the, the prices. You know, they're coming in more than a third cheaper than what we're coming in. in. But what they really want is the camera and the access control because they know that they're the best in that and they can now, um, you know, make their money from that side. 
Um, and then also you don't now have the IT guy trying to bring in his own camera <laughs> vendor or access control vendor that he recommends. So once they can just control that network, now they have that customer set for life. So just because you mentioned camera vendors, I got to mention this. And I, I believe this plays into what we're talking about here. We just had a, uh, a guy uh, here in New Jersey who owns um, a camera company that sold cameras to police um, outfits, police departments for like, you know, mobile cameras where they have like the camera attached to the generator um, and, you know, and they can put them anywhere. And this guy just got federally charged because he was buying cameras from China that were banned by our government and basically like having the manufacturer change the colors of the, the case around the camera and send them without the logos on it. And the feds found out and this guy got just got charged with fraud for what he was doing. Right. And this guy was selling cameras to police outfits throughout New Jersey for over a decade. Yeah. Like that's like that. That's the world we're living in right now because we're completely unregulated. Yep. Yep. So Randy. Hmm. Thoughts yeah. on what you see on the low end versus the high end? Um, well, you know, I kind of mentioned it, uh, mentioned it earlier, but you're right. It, it's a lot of times it's a, it's a loss leader where people don't take the time and the, the, the MSP, which stands for managed service provider. I don't know if we actually uh, said that, but that's just basically an IT company that offers regular services. Um, but yeah, I don't know that, that if the MSP is thinking that the customer is just not really going to look at the contract enough, read it enough. Like you said, either too, they're too stupid, like they think they're too stupid or B, they're too busy or C, they don't care. They just know you're not going to look at it for whatever reason. You're not going to really look at it. And, you know, at the end of the day, some of these companies that do this, they end up at a seat price, which is a lot higher than if you would have just bought it all at once in a package that that doesn't change on on month to month. Um, but the realization of that is a slow and painful death, in my opinion. It is. It is, and it's a frustrating death because you get, you don't know what your bill is going to be, and that's one of the things as a as a business owner. Um, uncertainty is a killer. Um, we don't want uncertainty. We don't like uncertainty. And so not knowing if your bill is going to be a hundred dollars or $10,000, um, is a big deal. Going back to this, question, um, if you're just getting charged a low price, you're, and then there's no add-ons cause they're not sly like that, then you're getting a very reduced service um tool set if you will and your com company's left vulnerable and the question i've been thinking the last like five minutes during all this discussion is what are the cyber risks your company faces when your msp isn't charging enough because when your msp is not charging enough either labor or tool set is 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 suffering and both of those could be catastrophic for your business 
That goes right into our next question. What are the <laughs> risks associated with choosing a lower price MSP? It's almost like you have the questions in front of you. And I wasn't even I wasn't even looking. I, I, I know mean, you're not. I know you're you not. Want me to answer this question or uh, pass it on to one of y'all? Let, let me start. Popular. Let me start it off, and then I'll bounce it back to to you, and then we'll go to Andre. How's that? So I already mentioned it with with the backup thing. So I mean, that's the biggest risk I see a lot of times is you know lower priced MSPs just leave all kinds of risk to a business out there that the business has no idea that they have because. Guess what's not going to happen? If something like your MSP, and another thing we see all the time, is using you know an administrator account across all your computers that's the same with the same password, which we see all the time, it, that introduces a huge amount of risk to your business. And your MSP is never going to come to you and tell you that that's happening. The only way you're going to figure that out is through a third-party risk assessment done by somebody who has no skin in the game. And a lot of businesses make the mistake of allowing their MSP to do their risk assessment. Or their M they allow their MSP to bring in somebody who just is like, yeah, you're all good. Double thumbs up. MSP is taking care of you. Great. You need to go find your own independent person who has nothing to do with your MSP if you really want to know what's going on in your business. You're going to trust your MSP or you're going to trust the person that they brought to you. I've seen it. You run the risk. And I, it, it, quite frankly, the one instance that I'm thinking of where I know it happened, I don't think the MSP was being nefarious or trying to do anything bad. I think the MSP believed that the vendor that they were bringing to them was doing a full risk assessment. But at the end of the day, it wasn't. And that left this company with a false sense of security that they were in good hands. And unfortunately, it's probably going to lead to bad things down the road if they don't ever get a third opinion on that. So those are some of the things I think. What do you think, uh, Randy? I mean, it's, it's, it, I would just say it's very, very, very risky. And your, um, you're you're looking there. I just have so many thoughts in my head that are trying to get out, and I'm trying to organize them here. But all right, so let me get Andre, and then I'll go back to you. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you have basically you're transferring. All, you've hired an IT company. You're spending money. It's kind of like being uninsured or or underinsured, where you're paying Geico, Progressive, whoever for your car insurance, and you're just paying that bare minimum. But the, but the day you get that accident you realize you are paying for nothing because they're not gonna cover anything, you know, or there, or, or there's a deductible that it's not gonna get, uh, you know, to a point where they're gonna cover something. So it's the same thing, you're paying a low price, you're paying a low price monthly or per seat or whatever the case is, but then now you get somehow the MFA of your Office 365, you know, maybe they're working on it or it gets disabled or whatever the case is, and, and now you have that open risk, you get hacked because the IT company or the MSP was not monitoring it. They didn't put the tools in place to alert them or to block the account when that MFA turned off. So, so I mean, for me, I would just say if you're, it's, I mean, I know it's better, like, I don't know if you want to say it's better than nothing, but you're kind of like paying for, like, you see what I'm saying there? It's like, do you I, even pay? Or do you just, if you're going to take the risk, just take the risk and save your money at this point. 
I always tell people, you have to pay your fair share. And if you're not paying your fair share, you're accumulating technology debt. Yep. And when you, you know, accumulate enough technology debt, you will get punched in the face and good luck trying to get through it. So, Randy, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So uh, Andre mentioned risk of cyber attack. And then the cyber attack brings a risk of downtime. But also, if you're getting your IT, quote unquote, on the cheap, your your risk of downtime is also better because it costs money to make sure that your business has continuity. So whether it's a cyber attack or whether it's a server that blows up, your, your downtime, that's a huge risk because when you're down, a lot of times you can't do business. Sometimes you can't even get on the internet because maybe it's it's a part of your network that allow, allows that. Um, so that creates another potential risk is that risk of lost business. Um, and then if you have a cyber attack, you've got a risk of a potential lawsuit, depending on what industry you're in. And if your client's information gets leaked, we're seeing that more and more in a lot of attacks that a lawsuit comes comes after that. So mm-hmm. I would say some pretty serious risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So this is an interesting question. Can a high price tag guarantee better IT services? <clears throat> so it won't guarantee, but it's certainly going. No, it won't guarantee because you do have some people that will just charge more because they they can and can get away with it but no that it won't guarantee by no means right i mean you could pay a high price and still get low price service quality right i mean you know there's you you need to buy the right service for your business and then you need to check and make sure that you're getting what you said and you know, if your IT company is not being like extremely proactive communicating with you about what they're doing, I would take a look at maybe having a third party come in and assess what they're doing. That's a huge red flag for me when I hear from other companies that, you know, they're not crystal clear on what their MSP does for things like backup, for you know security what the msp's own security is in their own business um you know those types of things need to be proactive and the company needs to almost use those as like uh, a feature benefit or a selling point like here's how we do things here's how well we do things um and you know reporting and just communicating with your point of contact at your company on this stuff um, you, they should never leave you wondering when you're paying a high price. That's, I guess, the, the simplest way to say it. Yeah. <clears throat> Anything else on the on the on that one? So let's just jump into. Kind of touched on this when I said some things about risk assessments and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But um, Randy, why don't you take this one? How should businesses assess their IT needs to choose the right MSP? Uh, that's a that's a great question, and it's probably going to take all three of us unpacking it, because so one, they they need to get some sort of a cybersecurity risk assessment, um, which is done by a reputable firm. I want to say up front, 
There are some cybersecurity risks assessments out there. They're all on the spectrum, okay? There's some insurance companies that'll do them. All they literally do is look at your website and check a few things on your website, and then boom, they've done a cybersecurity risk assessment. There are there are ones along that spectrum that maybe just check for one specific thing um, or maybe check for a handful of things. Maybe they're checking for vulnerabilities or whatever, but you've got to look at your entire IT inventory. That's the beginning of IT um, or beginning of cybersecurity is the identify part. You got to know you got to know what you have, both your equipment, your software. You got to know what kind of data you're dealing with, who has an eye on it. Are there any kind of protections in place? You got to have email, uh, knowing if email is secure or not. I mean, there's a ton of things. So I would say a business to assess it, they they need to start off with a cybersecurity risk assessment that does all of that, that covers the full gamut. So you can know what you have and you can know, know what you need to do with what you have. So if you call a, um, if you, the business owner, call an IT company and the questions that they ask you in a in a, a quick call is, hey, you know, 10 computers, 10 users, and it's this price. That's a red flag that you're talking to the wrong vendor. Yep. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, number one, <clears throat> businesses need to talk to somebody to figure out what their governance is, like what laws do they have to adhere to in terms of data protection and and, and breach laws, maybe industry uh, regulations, because if, and, and we're going to kind of talk about it in the next question, but if there's a law or regulation out there that tells you you have to do something around cybersecurity, which is IT, you are going to have to do that and it's probably going to cost you money to do so. So a lot of times I'll see companies talking to an MSP about, you know, signing to you know have them do their IT for their company and the MSP isn't even talking to them about what their compliance or what maybe some of the laws are that they have to be concerned with in their business. <clears throat> so before you approach an MSP, talk to a lawyer and and ask that lawyer like when it comes to cybersecurity or data protection laws, what do what does our business you know have to follow? And at least you'll have a list of things that then you can go to an MSP and say, you know, these are the things we need based on our, our requirements for our compliance. Um, if you expect your MSP to come in the door and, and know this automatically, um, I, I got to caution you that that's probably not going to be the case. Um, there's very few MSPs out there in my mind that qualify enough that are good at compliance enough to where they would come in the door and let you know this. So if you don't select the right ones that you're looking at, chances are you run the risk of, of not even knowing, and you can't use that as your defense if something bad happens. Um, so, you know, I, I am a big proponent of having a lawyer involved when you're, when you're dealing with a service of, of this magnitude, if, if you don't know yourself. Yeah, I agree. But I would also add that if that MSP comes in doing homework on your industry and your company and saying like, okay, hey, you know, based on my research or because we have other clients in this industry, 
this is what you need. That's like a kudos to them. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like there's very, there's very few MSPs that are going to do that. Right? right. And I don't want anyone to, you know, I just want to paint, paint the picture, the reality out there because, yeah. you know, as we're going to talk about here, are there industry trends influencing MSP pricing and service quality? Because we mentioned it's an unregulated industry. So what are some things that we see happening that that maybe it's making it less of the wild, wild west and more of, you know, a, a, you know, a controlled, mature industry that, you know, is critical to businesses and should be regulated? Um, thoughts on this, guys? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is AI, but I also like to talk about um, how the job market is doing. Because if the job market is 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 weak in the sense that there's layoffs, then that's when all of a sudden you have these people that were in the IT internal IT departments mm -hmm. companies, and now mm -hmm. they're like, you know what, I'm going to go on my own. And then that's when you get those guys coming in at $40 an hour and stuff like that. Because $40 an hour, if you're solo, that's not bad. But, you know, comparing it to an actual company, that's that's cheap. Right. I mean, if you're 40 hours an hour, you probably don't have any employees or not very many. And you, your services are not going to be that great. Um, so, I mean, that's a good point. You know, the market, we call them, you know, I used to say back in the day, you know, to become an MSP, all you got to do is hang, hang a shingle outside and you're an MSP. Um, it's true. Um, so Randy, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, one of them I was thinking of was what, was what Andre said. Um, there is a, there's a, and I'm just going to go off that first. There is a, a shortage of cybersecurity professionals. Um, I think somewhere in the four to 600,000, not four, but 400,000 to 600,000. Um, so there is a, uh, there is a shortage there and that does affect um, also, there's a, there is a labor shortage in this particular in this field that does affect pricing. 100%. It affects our pricing and what we can deliver. Hundred um, percent. And then also, I tell people, I've said it to people multiple times, Randy, where I'm like, I can't hire somebody as cheap as you can. Like, I, they got. I know people like businesses where they have employees for 30, 40 grand, right? I'm like, I can't hire people as cheap as you can. I mean, we're, we're not even, we're not even talking, nobody's even going to talk to me for those kinds of numbers. So, you know, cheapest employee we could probably get in the door that has IT skills is north of 60, 65,000. I mean, that's where the market is today. When you talk about cybersecurity skills, forget about it. So go ahead. Good point. Yeah. So, um, so that's one also compliance. Compliance is, is affecting this because we talk about it on the show all the time. Um, starts off with the federal uh, security and exchange. And, you know, a lot of that stuff is filtering down and or across to other fields as we go. That's going to affect pricing because not all MSPs can deliver the compliance, which is going to pull some of the supply of MSPs out, which is going to drive price up. Um, and then also um, other trends are um, cybersecurity offerings in general. Not all not all MSPs can provide can provide cybersecurity. Um, once again, that's going to have the effect of pushing some out, which lowers supply. When supply goes down, 
um, and demand is staying the same or getting better, that's going to make the price go up. Those are those are my thoughts. Yeah, man. Great point there, because the first thought that popped into my brain is, is like if people could actually see the some of the questions that are asked in that group we belong to, um, I think they would have heart failure knowing that like there's professional companies out there who ask some of the questions that they ask. Um, and to your point, because they just don't have the cybersecurity talent on their staff and don't understand it, but they're trying to deliver that service, um, which mm-hmm. is really scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll, and I'll go back to, to wrap up the show where, you know, I, I think it's coming. I think the snowball is coming towards MSPs from a lot of different directions, a lot of different industries. You're talking, I'm talking about healthcare, financial services, Department of Defense contractors, the there is going to be a minimum floor price in order for you to play in those industries based on the regulations that I'm seeing. Um, <clears throat> some of the numbers that are coming out for MSPs, if you want to get um, what's known as CMMC, which is how our government and our Department of Defense is making sure that defense contractors and you know, those entities don't get hacked. Um, There's a lot of language and laws coming out in CMMC that say MSPs have to achieve a certain level of of certification in order to service those clients. So that's basically going to put a floor price on on those companies um, if you want to play in that world. And, you know, the days of being able to hang a shingle outside and and service those clients are effectively over with CMMC. Um, And that's how the government is going to level up this industry. They're just going to basically be like, if you can't afford to get this certification, then you can't service this industry. And that's going to be true in that industry, financial services and healthcare, probably within the next two years. So that's it. We got to wrap it up. Thanks everybody for your input. Andre, you got something to say? Good. Yeah, yeah. One more thought. One more thought. Um, Another um, industry trend that we're also seeing is the vendors, uh, the tool sets that we're using, where they're going straight to consumer, and and the way they market it is kind of like a set it and forget it, or you know, you can just get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. You got those two. This is all you need. And then again, that just goes back to now when you're trying to present your solution to um, your client and they're like, well, you know, but Microsoft, don't they don't they just do everything or, you know, or even we see, you know, Dell and, and those companies now even starting to come into our market. Because- Look, if everybody just buys PC-matic, they don't need us and they don't need cybersecurity. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, a great point, Andre. Oh, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. You're going to say. No, I was just going to say I had COVID all week, so I got to see a lot of PC Matic commercials <laughs> laying, laying in bed. I didn't know I, they still had them. Oh dude. my god, dude! It's pathetic the stuff that they say in their commercial. It's like, it's it's like all you need is PC Matic and you're so to to their credit though. That guy's been saying, so it's it's basically like a zero trust on processes. Uh-huh. Like, that's how it works. He's been saying that for like 15 years. He is kind of way ahead of the curve. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, 
you're the the scary thing and andre andre brought it up and that made me think about it though is one there, there's not yet a tool that is truly a panacea and it kind of makes me wonder some of our vendors in our space who are marketing directly to the company like instead of going to through msps they're going to the company um the companies like how like how is that getting managed on that other side do you know what i mean um it's it's a little disconcerting uh to me so yeah that that's a great point that andre that andre made you know they're not it's not a silver bullet there's not one tool to 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 rule them all at least yet you know um so cool all right, guys, thanks for the insight. I think this was super helpful to anybody that might be looking uh, to hire an MSP in their business or change MSPs because they had a bad experience. Hopefully, this has given you some insight and uh, you know some, some more information on what to look out for as you purchase these services. Remember, it's an unregulated industry. It's much like the wild, wild west. So... You know, as they say in, in just regular business, hiring employees, hire slow, fire fast. I mean, and that's what you got to do with your MSP, in my opinion, too, if it's not working out or anybody running your IT. So we'll see everyone next week. We're doing our show. What day? Unlock your iPhone first. Oh, well, <laughs> we have the same voice. Nice. Um, what do we do? When is the show next week? for thursday i think we said wednesday 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 next week we'll be uh coming on live we'll see you then thanks for the support everyone take care bye y'all